This podcast is offered by Jikoji Zen Center on the web at jikoji.org. Our programs are made possible by donations from people like you. Uh, good morning, everyone. Welcome to Jikoji Sunday program. No, no, no. On okay. um, this morning, we have a guest speaker, Jundo. Jundo, uh, I'm sorry, I don't know much about you. Could I ask you to please uh, introduce yourself? I don't know much about me either. Isn't that the Zen-like answer? Um, well, first off, my name is Jundo. And uh, I'm uh, a student of uh, Nishimu, uh, Nishijima Gudo, who was a translator of uh, Shobo Genzo. And um, I'm a Soto teacher. And uh, I'd like to just say thank you for your graciousness in letting me uh, be here today. It's um, first, it's an honor to be any place associated with uh, Kobun Chino Roshi. I spent the last several days uh, rereading his book and uh, several things on your webpage, anything I could get my uh, hands on, and it's just, just amazing. And uh, that's actually some things about his style I think will actually tie into what we're going to talk about today. But um, uh, we're all Soto folks. I'm a, a Soto teacher, and um, that means... Um, Master Dogen, I guess everybody here is pretty much familiar with uh, Dogen, so I don't have to explain who he is, the fellow who, who brought uh, the Soto teachings from China to Japan and then to all of us. But um, I'm here because I, uh, you know, boy, he's tough, uh, Dogen, and um, even my own teacher's uh, translations when I'd read them. Sometimes I'm just there scratching my head and there were times I just uh, put the book down, down in the uh, uh, Oh, getting we'll a little, get a little for some reason. Maybe, I think it's okay now. All right. But uh, Dogen's tough and it uh, took me a while to, to try to get a handle on Dogen, and I think I'm not alone there. I think even people who have been practicing for uh, many years, let alone beginners, sometimes uh, wonder, what's with this guy's writing style? What's he doing? What, Where's he coming from? It just seems uh, sometimes gobbledygook. And uh, then there are other folks. There are dozens of books and uh, scholars' papers that, that seem to analyze Dogen to bits. Every sentence must mean something. And uh, that also leaves me kind of dry, feeling kind of dry sometimes. And then there are other wonderful books. Uh, for example, anything by Okamura Roshi, uh, like Realizing Genjo Koan or Shinshu Roberts, or even he's a scholar, but Steve Hines' latest book. These are wonderful things. Uh, Okamura Roshi goes into the language and the history, and it's wonderful. But even with books like that, I, I still feel like it's, it's tough for some people. So I tried to write a, how to say, a gateway, uh, a book, a simple entrance into Dogen. And then after 
what I write, hopefully people will go on and, and dive into the, the deep end even more. But uh, what's the thing about Dogen? And that's what I'm, I'm here to, to talk about today. And um, well, I finally uh, thought to express it by saying he's like uh, a jazz man or uh, Picasso. You know, Picasso took a, a table and uh, put the leg on over here and put the bottom where the top is. And you look at it and what Picasso was trying to do was, was take uh, an object we see all the time, a traditional thing and bring it to new light. Let us see it in new ways. And a jazz man, for example, will take a standard song and twist it all up and bring it into a new reality, uh, make it a new animal. I, the example I want to use today is to compare uh, Dogen to the great saxophone player, John Coltrane. I think everyone knows Coltrane. But when you leave here today, I'd like you all, if you could go on the YouTube and uh, look up John Coltrane and what he did with uh, My Favorite Things. You know that, that beautiful song by Julie Andrews, Sound of Music, you know, it's a little square. I'm now going to subject you to my singing it. <clears throat> Raindrops on roses and whiskers on kittens, write copper kettles and warm woolen mittens. Da 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 da. These are a few of my favorite things. I'm, I'm a, I apologize because I'm obviously not a singer. But if you listen to Coltrane, he takes that, he syncopates the time, he takes this piece over here, puts it over there, twists it around. Sometimes you can't make out the original at all, and every once in a while, boom, Julie Andrews, you know, comes popping right through again. You hear it. This was his favorite things, you know. But the mistake would be to ask, what did Coltrane mean by that particular note? Or what's he trying to say? With that phrase it's not like that man it's he meant something it was his favorite things but it was what he felt where the music was leading him and sometimes dogen in his writing would do the same dogen liked to play with words syncopating time taking bits and pieces over here playing with the, the chinese characters reading double or triple entendres and just having a great time to express something that's really alive and it's not always a matter of saying, what did Dogen mean by that phrase? It's what did he feel? And he felt something. But then it's also a mistake to say that Dogen didn't mean anything at all. And some people do that. They, they say, oh, this is just silly, and they toss it away. Maybe you have to be only an enlightened Buddha could understand this stuff. And I don't think that's true either. Um, as a student of Dogen and a translator myself, I think that Dogen was actually a fairly, well, very orthodox Mahayana and Zen Buddhist teacher. He was trained in the Tendai tradition and he never left that behind. So sometimes there were some very original and creative ideas in Dogen. Don't get me wrong. He was a very, he had some ways of approaching the teachings that were very original and unique and beautiful but he was also a very traditional guy. And those traditional teachings are the Julie Andrews, my favorite things that can be heard inside his 
wonderful Coltrane improvising and syncopating, you know. So what I'd like to do today, if I may, is um, tell you first off what some of those uh, basic teachings are. And then we're going to look at how Dogen played with that. And then I'm going to read a little of my book in which I, I talk about how that is. Now, what are those two teachings? We're going to look at a koan that Dogen works with. And the koan, just for today, I'd like to emphasize it has two basic teachings in it. Very standard Mahayana teachings. Standard, even though sometimes it's a little hard to get the head around. They can still be understood a bit, you know, intellectually. I can explain it, but of course, our practice is eventually to feel this in the bones. So I don't want you to think that my, my explanation in words is the end of it. But the basic concept here is, well, not so tough. And that is the deep interpenetration and interidentity and wholeness of all things and all phenomena and all events and all people all flowing in and out of each other and being each other. Um, the example I use in my book is dance. That's why it's called the Zen master's dance. And it's a dance where we usually think we're apart and there are all these separate dancers and dance, dance moves going on. But when you look in the whole, each is connecting to the others and interflowing there are dances upon dances, dances going on inside you right now. Every cell, every atom of you is dancing and you're connecting with other people and forming pairs and groups and partnerships. And then you pull apart and you're dancing with all the scenery that's around. For example, um, it's still morning here. Good morning, by the way. But I'm just starting to see the, our local mountain come up through my window here as the sun is rising. And I can say that the mountain is not me in our usual way of thinking. And it's been fall and it's breezy and I see leaves that are blowing from the tree and that leaf that's blowing past is not me. And I'm not you, I'm not Tom. Tom is not me. And yet, I'm not this teacup. And yet for the Mahayana and Zen Buddhist, it's almost, we could say that the, the mountain if magically gets put right in this cup, as does the leaf, as, as does the farthest planet or star, as things that happened uh, yesterday or things that will happen billions of years from now are all here in this teacup. And you are in there and I'm in there. And the teacup is the mountain, is the leaf, is the events of tomorrow. And, and if I turn up upside down, the teacup becomes the mountain. You see, we're all that profoundly interconnected and interidentical. Well, that's Master Dogen's basic teaching today. And, you know, the, another example I use is, uh, I think you all know Thich Nhat Hanh's famous example of the paper. Have you heard that? He says, uh, to express... Uh, inter-identity, he talks about the piece of paper that holds the tree, that holds the sun and the rain, that make the tree, that makes the paper, that holds the lumberjack, right? 
who cuts the tree to make the paper. And it's a beautiful teaching and it's true. It's our sense of emptiness, which is that we're not only our little separate self, but we're all things. But Master Dogen might take that and kind of blow it up with his jazz horn and bring it to life. He might say, for example, something like, oh man, the paper is raining and the tree is shining like the sun. Take that paper and fold it into origami and you have a lumberjack come to life. It's the same teaching, but in Master Dogen's way, you know, it's not just a flat piece of paper anymore. It's a paper come to life as the rain, shining like the sun, burning like the sun, with a heartbeat like the lumberjack, you know, in that paper. That's Master Dogen's way of expressing things. Kobun Shino, too, I thought, when I worked with his writings the last few days. Man, he was a really expressive guy. Very similar in, in that way, I think, to Dogen sometimes. But that's a little footnote. So that's Master Dogen's way. And in the book, I use the example of a dance, that all the universe is dancing. All, each of us are separate dancers. All of us are dancing with each other, dancing with the mountain, dancing with the sun, dancing with the sad things that happened yesterday or the things we wish for tomorrow, dancing and dancing. But when we pull back, you know, emptiness, we say, we lose our separate self, we are empty of separate self-identity. And we pull back and we pull back and you, you start to fade and see that it's just the motion. The dancers, individual dancers are just fading into the motion. And when you get closer, they start to appear again. That's who we are, I think. That's what I feel. You know, the mistake would be, of course, to say, like with emptiness, that the dance is a thing. We Zen people, we don't want to do that. So we say emptiness is empty. And the dance is also, it's, don't think of it as just an intellectual thing. It's not uh, something I can hold in my hand and nail to the wall. You can't nail a dance to the wall. You can't put a, a dance in the jar. The dance is the dance, the dancing. Yes? And uh, it's not an idea. And I, I can't explain it. I can't hold up a, a book here and say how to dance you actually have to experience this and taste this. You have to dance and feel this deep interflowing and interconnection, which is what our Zen practice is, I think. So that's the image I use in the book of the Zen master's dance. And there's another thing about this dance for Master Dogen that he's gonna talk about today. And that's his sense of right and wrong. For Master Dogen, I think, and for pretty much all the Zen masters I know, there's something very right about this dance. Something beautiful, pure, somehow, when you pull back. And he heard his equations, you know, he, he thought there was something overriding and great about it, even though he was living in the middle of Nazi Germany at the time. But he felt some great ha harmony in the greater good. And it's like our world too. When you pull down here to earth, boy, it's beautiful sometimes, but oh, so ugly, isn't it? Pull back, you see the beauty of the great movement. That's this whole universe, right? And our planet, get real down close here in our society and our lives have some problems. Our dance includes the beautiful and the ugly and the war and the peace and the sickness and health. So Master Dogen also said that as individual dancers, in this sometimes beautiful and ugly world, we have uh, 
our practice is to dance as gracefully and with as much poise as we can as individual dancers in this chaotic world sometimes. And also to know the great beauty of the whole dance, something like that. So anyway, those are the two themes I, I hope you uh, hear in uh, Master Dogen's writings. And to express that, I'd like to, to first read the koan that Master Dogen is, is working from. And it's a, a standard koan. It's actually, I think, again, fairly easy to understand the point of it. I know sometimes it's heretical to say you can understand anything about a koan, but sometimes there are actually teachings there that can be explained so long as you remember not to stop at the intellectual understanding. You need to feel this dance. You just, we don't just talk about it, okay? So here's the koan. Yaoshan asked Mazu, I have digested all the teachings of Buddhism and read all the scriptures. But what was the ancestral master Bodhidharma's intentions in coming to China from India in the West? Now, sometimes that question is just taken very matter-of-factly, you know, well, why did he come? What, why did he make the trip? But for Zen folks, usually when we say, ask that question, it, it has a bigger meaning. It's, What's Zen all about? But more than that, it's what's this whole thing about? What's it all about? That's the big question that we're asking. So this fellow read all the books and the scriptures, and he's still asking, what's it all about? And why did Bodhidharma bother to make that trip? Mazu responded, Sometimes I make him, Bodhidharma, sometimes I make him raise an eyebrow or wink an eye, and sometimes I do not make him raise an eyebrow and wink an eye. And perhaps a teaching like that is that, well, Mazu is Bodhidharma. Mazu's winking, Mazu's face is Bodhidharma's face, is your face. His raising an eyebrow is the mountain raising an eyebrow. His winking is the events of a billion years ago winking, like that. This deep interconnection that I spoke of. Something like that. Okay. This is the basic. This is Julie Andrews we're reading now. We're not getting to Coltrane Dogen yet. Okay. And then Mazu says... Sometimes to make him raise an eyebrow or wink an eye is what's right. And sometimes to make him raise an eyebrow or wink an eye is not right. So right and not right. And here's how Dogen picks up his horn and blows this thing. Dogen says, his eyebrows and eyes are the mountains and oceans. Now, this is from a section of Shobo Genzo called Uji, which is being time. And the point of Uji is, you know, it's easier for us in modern times to understand this, I think, than in the old days, because Einstein said everything, every phenomena has its own time, has its own being. 
And Master Dogen in this chapter says that the ocean has its own time. The mountain has its time. You have your time. I have my time. And it's like the dancer in the dance. Each dancer is doing their own rhythm in their own place on the stage, their own time. But yet when they intermingle, their times intermingle. And the whole dance seems to have its place in time. And these places and times are interflowing and interconnecting like that. So his eyebrows and eyebrows are the mountains and oceans because the mountains and oceans are his eyebrows and eyes. In his make him raise an eyebrow, just listen to this, feel the music. You don't have to understand it intellectually. Listen to the jazz. In his make him raise an eyebrow, he is to see the mountains and make him wink is to understand the seas. This uh, seas here, by the way, is uh, kind of neat in English. It's what Master Dogen often does in Japanese. It just play with words. So you have to see. He's talking about eyes. He's also talking about the ocean, which is the sea. So Master Dogen, just because so, it sounds cool, I don't think there's any other reason, would start playing with that and go, so you're seeing the sea and the sea is seeing. See? See, see, senor? Like that. Master Dogen loved that kind of wordplay, just because it's, it's, man, it's, he loves the language too. Now he gets into right and wrong, and he says, the right answer truly is his, and he is actualized by having him raise the eyebrows and wink. But neither does not right mean not having him raise the eyebrows and wink. And to not have him raise the eyebrows and wink does not mean not right. Huh? All are equally the being time. The mountains are time and the oceans are time. Without time, the mountains and oceans could never exist, which is true. Without time, the world would be frozen. There would be no evolution, no planet, no you and me. We should not deny that time is existing in the mountains right here and now. If time were annihilated, the mountains and oceans would be annihilated. You would be annihilated. But as time is not annihilated, thus are the mountains and oceans preserved. Then he connects this all to the Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree, where all of it pours into that moment, like it all pours into the teacup which is also your Zazen, by the way. It all pours into your sitting of Zazen. This being so, the morning star appears. The Buddha saw the morning star, you know. The Buddha Tathagata appears. The eye appears and raising up a flower appears. Each is time and were there no time, it could not be thus. Now, before I read from my little book, let me just say, why is this useful and helpful? What is this good? It's very simple. We feel disconnected as people in friction with all the other dancers sometimes, banging into each other, never satisfied with how this world is going because we feel apart and we feel like some creature who has mysteriously appeared on a stage for a few years, how did we get here? And then in a few years we vanish. But to the extent that we realize we are the whole dance, all the friction disappears. You know, 
And to the extent we realize that this dance is just who we are, and it was a dance going on before we appeared, and during our life, and after we vanish. And if we are just this dance, then where do we come from and where do we go? So long as the dance is dancing on. Yes. Like that. And our life sometimes feels so very right and very wrong, but if there is truly some great right to the whole dance, we can taste it. We can lose ourselves and find ourselves in that great right. And here on earth, we can do as well as we can to live right. And what is living right? Free of greed, anger, and ignorance. The wrong, of course, is the opposite. Violence and anger and division like that. Okay? So anyway, let me read from my little book now. Dogen plays on a cherished koan about a Zen master who inquires into the real meaning of Zen, which somehow eluded him in all his studies of texts and theories. He asks why Bodhidharma bothered to come to China. In other words, what is Zen all about? The traditional response about eyebrows and such can have a very direct meaning. Bodhidharma did nothing special. Traveling to China was the most natural of things, like winking. And uh, if I may interrupt myself here, I, in Zen, we often say that the most simple of things is a miracle, you know? Just that the whole universe, the whole dance for billions of years spun us here to be alive, to have the miracle of being able to have an eye to raise an eyebrow. Wow! And I often like to say, you know, like to Bill, Bill, you know that the whole universe cannot raise an eyebrow without your eyebrow. I mean, someone else has an eyebrow, but Bill's eyebrow, there's only one in the whole universe. So your winking is the unique winking by Bill of all this. And we like to say that, you know, Bill's winking is the whole thing winking. If Bodhidharma had not done it, something else would have taken place. On the other hand, our own simple acts of winking and looking can also be known as the Buddha looking and winking. Bodhidharma looking and winking, the whole universe looking and winking. Not doing so is still the ancient master's eyes and eyebrows not doing so the whole universe not doing so. It is not, it is not a matter of our having to be aware of such fact all the time. Um, in an hour or so, I'm gonna cook breakfast for my son on his way to school, you know? And, uh, and then I'm gonna drive the car for a bit. And I don't say to myself, you know, this cooking breakfast for my son is the whole universe cooking breakfast now or driving the car is the whole dance, all of reality driving this car. But it is, you know. We don't realize that all the time, but it's true. Uh, cooking breakfast is the whole universe, cooking the whole universe for my son, who's also the whole thing. And driving the car is the whole dance that somehow is through me driving this car. Now we don't think about it all the time, but I assure you, It is not a matter of our having to be aware of such fact all the time. 
our face is still shared with the ancient master, although we do not feel so in a particular moment. Even then, it is still Bodhidharma's eyes and eyebrows, as our eyes and eyebrows. Now, Dogen plays his Zen jazz to take this one step further. His eyes and eyebrows are the mountains and seas and the whole world and all within it. Winking the eye is an ocean winking and raising an eyebrow is raising a mountain. Now there may be right and wrong times to do or not do an action, but ultimately there are no wrong times. This is hard even for me, but there are, sometimes life is so hard, but there are no wrong times for each time is its own time. And even not doing is the right doing of not doing. And this is the one. And wrongdoing is somehow the right doing of a wrongdoing. Nonetheless, Dogen would often remind us to do what's right and avoid doing wrong, for doing so helps clarify the mind and heart. Um, the story I like to give to explain this is about my own sister, who's actually an inspiration for this book. She's 80 years old and 70 years she has been a jazz dancer. She's still teaching dance at the age of 80. She was a, she was a Broadway dancer actually for a time. And I asked her, I said, sis, what happens during the dance when the guy's supposed to pick you up and he drops you right on your caboose? or you trip right in the middle of uh, Swan Lake. And she said, oh, you make it part of the dance as if it was meant to be, and you go from there. There are very few times that you have to stop the dance. You just, oh, here I am, and you go from there. It's all somehow right in the great dance of things. Now, it's, she's a jazz dancer, so there's, it's choreographed, but it's also free. And you move from there. But she said, even though it's right, when even when it goes so horribly wrong, you try not to fall. We try not to stumble, right? And isn't that our life? Isn't that Master Dogen's message? To go from there, wherever you are, but yet try not to stumble. Try to dance with grace. Okay. So Dogen says that eye and eyebrow, mountains and seas, are all time. It is obvious that without time, none of these could have evolved or come to be. Thus he states, without time, the mountains and oceans could never exist. But equally, without the motion of their time and our evolving, time would have been frozen and never flowed. Thus time needs us and is us as much as we need time in our time. The way I like to say this is, if it wasn't for you and me and the other life, the mountains and seas, what a dead stage this would be. There would be no dance on the stage. This would be a dead universe. We bring life to life, right? We are the show. And yet, and yet, without the dance, without the show, we could not be because we are show, the show, the show is us. And again, 
don't nail this down of what's the show he's talking about. These are just words I'm using, you know. Later, we forget that and throw the book of dance rules down and actually get up and dance and forget about the dance. You don't think about the dance while you're dancing. You just dance, right? And so it is for all moments in time, such as when the Buddha, sitting under the Bodhi tree, saw the morning star and realized the truth. It is said that after many long years of striving and pushing himself to the extremes of body and mind, the Buddha finally eased his heart under the tree. Seeing the clear light of the morning star in the sky, he said, I and all sentient beings on earth together are enlightened at once. I like to say, he said that I and the star and you and the tree are all the dance. That star's shining is my shining, is your shining. This tree's reaching for the sky is your reaching for the sky is me. And it all pours into our zazen as we're sitting. All are enlightened at once, for all are one in this being time. Um, one more uh, story here about my sister before I get to the end is, uh, this is also a dance on this earth of, I said, is beauty and ugliness, but also happiness and sadness. And this is another reason, you know, Master Dogen said, the weeds still grow, though we do not like them. And the, the flowers fall, though we, we mourn for them. Yes, it's a sad life. My sister told one more story that, about dance. I just like to pass on before we finish today. She was pregnant and uh, had to stop dancing for a while and she lost the child. There was a miscarriage. I think it was their first child. And a couple of weeks later, she finally was able to get back on the stage. It was her first dance after all that time. And she was in the middle of the dance doing the routine and suddenly she hit her, her poor child. And the tears in the middle of the, the dance started to come down her face, but she kept dancing. And somehow she lost herself in the dance and the sorrow became part of the dance and the joy and birth and death and just life and all that had happened. She poured it in and the dance was somehow still right, but her heart was broken and yet she kept dancing. So this dance holds all the sadness and joy of this life too. Okay, anyway, let me finish. Master Dogen ends with the famous story about holding up the flower and the smile, reminding us it's not about words. Now put the words down and get up and dance, okay? Years later, when the Buddha held up a flower and winked, Mahakashapa saw and understood with a smile. In that famous story, the Buddha silently held up a single flower as the wordless expression of the truth. And his disciple Mahakashapa understood and all expressed this silently. And yet I've wasted time with so many words. Uh, just dance. So thank you. And uh, that's all I have. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Jundo. Uh, we have time now for questions. Can you receive some questions? Is that possible? I get paid by the questions. So the more questions, the more I make. Let's go. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Please, anyone uh, 
Nico, would you coordinate? Yes, if anybody has any questions, please um, indicate with Gasha or some other way and I'll get you going. I guess Gasho means a question. Mahesh is Mahesh. Yeah. Thank you, Jindu, um, for your talk. Um, so my question is around like, uh, like if you if you practice uh, uh, sitting zazen, um, that is anywhere required. I mean that that is uh, like enough to realize oneself. Um, so how does reading Dogen help, um, uh, especially given the fact that. Uh, um, reading Dogen is hard, uh, like uh, to uh, someone who has seen the truth, the non-separation and all, uh, it might make sense and it is like a joy to read, but uh, otherwise it is, uh, it seems pretty hard to understand and read. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, so that's my question. Now. So uh, first I'd like to say that, uh, you know, Zazen is the most basic of all dance steps. It's the dance step of not moving. But yet the entire movement of all reality flows in and out of our sitting so still. So Zazen is vital. But Master Dogen is, uh, shall we say, our choreographer. You know, this is not a dance of just getting up and doing whatever you want. Some people think that's what Zen is. But you need a guide. And dance, the music, man, and the basic uh, scene is provided by writers, uh, teachers like Dogen. So Dogen is, if you, if you get the feeling for his music, you know, if I want to become, learn to play jazz, I listen to Coltrane and then I get Coltrane sound and then I make my own sound. But without listening to the other jazz greats, I can't get my own jazz sound. I'm just blowing the wrong end of the, the clarinet. So he is my Coltrane, my inspiration. And then I make my own sound by getting up off the Zafu we don't just stay on the Zafu all, all the day. This dance continues into all of life, you know. Everything you do with your family, your work, uh, just being part of society is the greater dance. So we don't just keep it on the Zafu either. It's a living dance. So you need all of it, man. That's... Uh, yeah, I was. Oh, sorry. Please go ahead. Okay. Please go ahead, Randy. Randy, Randy. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, one of the little things I, I I wrote down and thinking back on maybe my my years of practice and and whatnot of of somehow projecting our seriousness upon Dogen, upon Zen teachers. And I guess, and there is a, a seriousness about things, but there's also a balance to that. I don't, I don't know. I mean, um, I think the older I get and the longer I practice, I, uh, my seriousness has maybe dissipated because I'm not quite sure what Zen is anymore. Hey, have I, fun I, the doing longer the dance. I do it, the more I, I'm 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 scratching my head, and I said this should be the other way around, you know. But uh, yeah. I'm not sure. So I, I guess this 
I'm, I'm, I guess a question, some question about seriousness and projecting it on Dogen and what you, what you, you said, just bringing in about art and jazz and painting, which I can relate to, uh, was uh, 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 refreshing. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, have fun with your dance. Man, my sister at 80, she, she still gets up there and she can be dancing a very serious dance, but she enjoys it. That's how, how she's done it all the time. But uh, Dogen, you know, frankly, he was a very serious guy. Let's not pull any punches. Someone said, can you find any jokes in Dogen? Not too many. I mean, he was, <laughs> I, I, he was hard. Now, I read Kobunchino Roshi, who has a very similar talking style, man. That guy was expressing. You know, he was finding, the, he, he's a traditional Zen teacher, but he's always expressing very innovative ways. And I think he had, a, yeah. I think Chino Roshi was a lot more fun. I, I never met him, of course, but uh, that's just the impression I get, but very similar. But, uh, you know, of course you make these teachings your own. Um, and uh, hopefully, yeah, at uh, our age, we get up there, we start uh, just, uh, you don't have to take everything so seriously. and. Uh, and you just enjoy it, of course. Mm -hmm. But it's still serious stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was just reminded as you were talking, my uh, friend of mine invited me to go sailing, but I'm in a wheelchair and uh, so sailboats are forbidden to me by the law and <laughs> cursed law. Um, I was like, where it's just a different form of dance. Like, absolutely. I'm, I'm not gonna, if I fall overboard, I'll swim back to the ship. I'll lose my wheelchair, but oh well, it's just a thing. So it's just you, the literal wheelchairs are just things that we can put aside to try to en enjoy the rest of the dance of life. So. Uh, this dance is not a matter of big space or small space. Space. It's not a matter of even moving or standing still. Just to tell you, in our in our sangha, we have some priests who are differently able, and we we do some ceremonies like uh, other places, lighting the incense. But we have one priest who cannot get out of bed, so he does it all with his finger. He just sits in the finger and he goes, "I'm moving over here," because that's basically all the motion he has, and it's the complete ceremony. It's the complete dance. There's nothing missing at all. And it's graceful and elegant and beautiful, no matter, even his handshakes sometimes. That's not what it's about. It's not, this dance cannot be limited by, it's boundless. It's a boundless dance and fits in the smallest grain of sand too, like that. Yes, um, thank you, Jundo, for the wonderful talk. I just wanted to say uh, to uh, to the entire Jikoji community that um, that I am a dance teacher. 
uh, I teach uh, Argentine tango and some other dances. So whenever whenever uh, COVID-19 is over, I would love to offer free dance classes. Uh, you guys can learn tango, uh, salsa, uh, waltz, um, and even shuffling. If some of you would like to learn the shuffle, uh, I would be happy to teach. So um, it would be a pleasure. I'm so happy to uh, hear this talk and I would love to offer free classes whenever anybody would like to. You know, that, that reminds me that some people, uh, the last place I spoke said, which is the right way to dance in Buddhism? And like you have Tibetan and you have, you know, Vipassana. And I said, you know, it's like different dance. It's like the tango. It's like the cha-cha. Other people are doing Swan Lake. And I said, it's all beautiful dance, you know, that may be suited to different dancers. I can't dance. I have two left feet for almost anything, which is the funny thing about me writing this book. But uh, yes, you know, find your own dance. And uh, there's no different. The right dance is for different people, you know. So Jundo, if I think I think Jundo, if you you can walk, I think you can dance tango. The last time I tried to dance tango. Uh, I ended up with, uh, you know, Japanese, there are actually Japanese tango clubs, and I was invited to a Japanese tango club. I'm in Japan right now. I, have you ever seen 15 Japanese tango dancers break into hysterics? That was my dancing. They did not realize <laughs> the human body could move like that. So, okay. Anyway, that's <laughs> a side story. Any, anything more? Kade? Oh boy, yeah. Hi, uh, yeah, it was lovely. Uh, I, um, like there's a lot of dance in poetry too. And when you kept talking, uh, this Bob Dylan, part of Bob Dylan's Mr. Tambourine Man came to my mind. So I'll read a couple lines from it. Maybe you can tell me, if, is this what Dogen was saying or not? Though, though you might hear laughing, spinning, swinging madly across the sun, it's not aimed at anyone. It's just escaping on the run. And but for the sky, there are no fences facing. And if you hear vague traces of sk skipping reels of rhyme to your tambourine in time, it's just a ragged clown behind. I wouldn't pay it any mind. It's just the shadow you're seeing. That he's chasing. Uh, Tigan Dan Layton, who's a great Soto writer, likes to tie Dylan in with uh, Dogen a lot. I'm going to say this. I just this just came up too, and someone said there was an interview that uh, Dylan gave about 1967 or something like that, and they asked him about one of his songs, you know, and they said, "What did you mean?" And he said, "Heck if I know, but it sounds good. Just came out there, something like that." So I don't know. Maybe. But Dogen, you know, this is the thing about Dogen. I think Dogen, like a musician, got himself into the wordplay sometimes, like a musician. I don't think he intellectually knew always what he meant, but he always knew that what he felt and what he felt was what he meant because he was bringing this ah to life, you know, like that. And sometimes he'd even get himself in so deep uh, 
that I don't think you could get out. Well, when I was doing, I'm a Japanese translator. So I did these translations kind of, uh, I tried to simplify Dogen a little to make it easier to read, but I went back to the originals and then the modern Japanese and what other English translators had done. And I realized there were sections, nobody agrees or knows what the heck he's talking about. You have the greatest Dogen scholars going, I'm not sure. So I'm just gonna take a stab here. And you have to do that sometimes, and it, but it's all great. Michael Schnee. Yes, thank you very much for your talk. I really enjoyed it. It's great. Uh, but what this all reminds me of, like trying to interpret this guy's words, or the famous words by Robert Frost, the poet. And they, they asked him what a poem meant, and he looked at the person. And he said, "What do you want me to read it worse?" <laughs> that's. I think that's what a lot of this is. You know. It, 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 it's, it just is, it's, it's almost, it's impossible to explain. You know? But uh, did a good job, I really enjoyed it. Thank you very much, you made him come alive for me. But I do go back the other way too. It's also, I think, uh, would be a mistake to say that Dogen was not a traditional Mahayana Zen Buddhist teacher and no, he was presenting a lot of very orthodox teachers. He had some teachings. He had some very original ideas, like his being time is is very uh, this kind of relative. Everything everything is in its own time, very wonderful. And he had some other ideas about shikantaza and things like that were unique to him. But a lot of this is you know kind of Mahayana Buddhism 101. But that Dogen, like he did with that Thich Nhat Hanh image of the paper, that Dogen is just exploding and bringing to life. But the teachings in there, we can't neglect that either. Crispy. Hello, thank you for your talk. A um, couple of things. It sounds like um, uh, when it comes to Dogen and all the interpretations and various interpretations, that, as you mentioned, that there's a little bit, there might be a little bit of sometimes a cigar is just a cigar in there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and, you know, we're reading all this elaborate stuff into something. Exactly. Um, um, but the other uh, thought I had, uh, you know, we talked, you talked a lot about uh, the uh, right, uh, right action, wrong action, non-action, and the appropriate timing. And, uh, you know, that what seems to us right might not be right and vice versa. What occurs to me, and maybe you could elaborate, is that how, how do we know that it isn't all right and it, it's just our, our way of what we're putting on top of everything, the mask we kind of uh, uh, impose on everything is what makes it seem other than the way it's supposed to be. Well, you know, I, I actually think all the Zen masters basically thought there's something very right about the whole kitten caboodle somehow. I mean, that's the point of this. And I, I think, you know, you don't have to be just a Zen fellow to think that maybe the Christians think that there's some overriding, they call it God. And even, uh, like I said, Einstein was in the middle of Hitlerian Germany, in Nazi Germany, and he still, in his equations, he found some harmony and balance and beauty that he felt that was maybe overriding something. So yeah, there's a great right, but down here on earth, man, what a mess. You know, oh boy, 
and uh, sometimes our life. So the basic idea of Dogen was to dance right, as right as you can. And what does that mean? It's not, I don't think it's rocket science. You know, we say avoid excess desire and anger and violence. Avoid the divided thinking like jealousy. That's the bad. And go for the good, which is, you know, peace and generosity and nonviolence and uh, bringing together a union and uh, being helpful to, this is right. So that's how Master Dogen, in his ethics, said we should be right, even in this often messy world. But he, they all knew the great, there's a great right somehow. And that's what we try to taste, I think, in our practice. That's just my little view. But no. Thank you. Bob? Yes, uh, thank you for your inspiration. And uh, I just have a couple things. You had me the first time you mentioned St. John Coltrane. So I'm going to take you up on your offer. Uh, my favorite things, I had to reach over and grab my CD. I'm going to listen to that again and put on my uh, Dogen uh, face over John Coltrane's and see how that comes out. Maybe I'll dance while it's on and yeah, uh, see what happens. Uh, I remember once Miles Davis once said, uh, there's no note is a mistake. It's the next note that you play that determines whether it was a mistake or not. And I would say there's no action that we take that's a mistake. If, if our next action is follow, following the precepts, then there is no mistake. And, and also Miles said, if you make a mistake, repeat it. and People will think that you meant it the first time. Uh, and the last thing I want to say, uh, the Charlie Parker part said, uh, if you don't live it, it ain't going to come out your horn. So Dogen lived it and his horn was his writings and, and your, your writings are, is your horn. So everybody has to live your, live it and it'll come out your horn. That's all I have to say. There, there, there's, uh, that's beautiful. Uh, there, there's something about listening to music too, that you can hear when something's right. And you can hear the guy who's like the high school student who just picked up a saxophone for the first time. And you can hear the guy who's been playing for 20 years, you know? And it's the same notes, same instrument. So somehow the way we re uh, live our life, you can tell who's living with grace and balance and knows their way around a keyboard. And you can tell who, uh, who uh, doesn't, who has a tin ear, so. Yeah, I like when you said I, I get paid by the word. I, I used to say I get paid when I play the flute, I get paid by the note. So people say, just play one long note. So <laughs> I go, ch I play cheap. Okay. That's it. Thank you. Sure. I'm okay for time, but I don't want to tie everybody up. So I, I turn things over to our hosts at the uh, GCOG. Just, uh... we doing okay? Uh I think so. How's our time? It's 1235. Uh, one, one more thing uh, before we end, Jindo, uh, could you tell us a little bit about your dance? Uh, you're living in Japan uh, and where are you living in Japan and what, what are you doing? A little bit about your life, your, your present day dance. Okay. Um, let's see. 
I am in uh, Ibaraki, Japan. I like to describe that to people as right smack between Tokyo and Fukushima, the nuclear reactor. I'm 100 miles from the nuclear reactors at Fukushima, which was very exciting a few years ago when we had to run from here. Uh, I've been here in Japan for about uh, 30 years. Um, I've been practicing uh, mostly uh, here, but also in the US, but I'm just a dad with uh, two kids. I got a kid who's right in the middle of the SATs right now to go to college. And I got a 10 year old, which as soon as I live here, I just switched to, to dad mode and get the kids to school. My wife is here. Um, and uh, I'm a translator of uh, Japanese, but uh, uh, now I guess I'm an author. Wow. And uh, uh, we have uh, the Tree Leaf Zendo uh, has been going for about 13 years now. I, you know, everybody's online with Zoom now. Can I tell you something? We were online 13 years ago. This is my big brag, okay? Everybody thinks like they've just discovered this. We were doing this before there was even the technology to do this. With the first time you could put a camera and a microphone on a computer, we started uh, this because uh, our members, uh, we have a lot of people who are differently abled or elderly people or people who are living. We have uh, members in places like Yugoslavia and, and Zambia uh, because there's no Zen group. So they sit with us online. And now everybody's discovered this and I'm really happy that you all are sitting online too. Welcome to what we've been doing. So. That's uh, that's uh, who I am. Thank you. We're, we'll close now with a uh, with a chant, with our closing chant. So may our intentions equally extend to every being and place with the true merit of Buddha's way. Beings are numberless. I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it. Thank you for listening to this podcast offered by Jokoji Zen Center. Our Dharma talks are offered free of charge, and this is made possible by the donations we receive. Your support helps us to continue to offer the Dharma. For more information about Jikoji, please visit us on the web at jikoji.org.